was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not but as many as received him to them he gives the right or the power or the authority to become the children of God even to them that believe on his name who are born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but who are born of God I know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. And the Lord Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Everyone that confesseth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We trust the Lord is making this important subject a precious encouragement to each of you. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is found in the Word of God. We trust He will bless each one of you who study along with us here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast as Dr. Mitchell continues in this study of the Holy Spirit's ministry to each believer. He will speak further of what it means to be born of the Spirit found in John chapter 1, verses 12-13, through 13, along with other scriptures. The believer receives a new nature when born again. This new nature produces, as Dr. Mitchell says, a new will and a new desire to want to please God and live a life of good works to the glory of God. Let's open our Bible to John chapter 1, verse 12 with Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Thank you. Again, we come to you, and we're dealing with this wonderful truth of the ministry of the Spirit of God in His people. We have declared, of course, in this that there are four things that God does the moment a person receives the Savior. And we've been dealing with one of these four, to be born of the Spirit, and that speaks of relationship with Him. And again, may I urge upon you this fact, these four things, to be born of the Spirit, to be indwelt by the Spirit, to be sealed by the Spirit and baptized by the Spirit is a work of God, not something you do, 
not something you even experience, though you might have many experiences. But these are four facts. Now, you don't, you don't experience facts. What you experience is life. And I find that the moment a person is saved, these four things take place. I'm sorry to say that all Christians are not spirit-filled, but we'll deal with that matter later. And we were discussing this fact that a man must be born from above. We must be born of the Spirit. And this means a new life, the impartation of a new life from God. It's God bringing us into, a, into his own life, joining us to himself. And he does this by the Spirit of God, using the Word of God upon any open heart. It means bringing us into relationship with God himself, and may I add, by the same token, it means relationship with each other, with every other believer. Now God has all kinds of, of children in the world. I mean, some, some are babies, and some are growing up, and some are mature, like you have in the epistle of John chapter 2, when he speaks of the fathers and the young men and the babies, There's different aspects of growth, but every believer is in the family. Every believer is in the family. Some in the family don't know very much about what they have in Christ. Some revel in the riches they have in Christ. There are some who revel in their position in Christ. And there are others who are always reveling in the person of Christ, and so on. Now, it also means not only a new relationship with God and a new relationship with each other, but it also means the impartation of a new nature. Of what? A new nature. In John 1, 13, we were reading, you remember, I'll have to read verse 12 again. As many as received him, John Gospel chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, to as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them gave he the right, the power, the authority to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice the next verse. Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but are born of God. That means we are no longer children of wrath. We've been brought right into a new race of people, into a new family, of which God is our Father, and hence we become partakers of a new nature. The old is sinful. For example, in 2 Peter 1, 4, Peter says, By these many wonderful promises, we have been made partakers, we have become partakers of the divine nature. That is, a new nature with new capacities. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, I repeat, in Ephesians 4, 24, we read where Paul says, put on the old, put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Yes, something entirely new. I tell you, my friend, again, what I said in a past lesson, thank God the patching days are over. God doesn't take a sinner and patch him up. He makes them over entirely new. You have a new, a new nature with new capacities, with a new desire, with new hopes, new aspirations, an entirely new life. You can't imitate this. 
People say, well, if I change the environment, people will be changed. Yes, you can take a pig and put it in a parlor, and I'll be very frank with you and tell you the pig won't be changed, but your front room will, your parlor, your room will be changed. No, my friend, the old nature is past redemption. The old nature is so incurably bad that God won't have a thing to do with it except crucify it. That's what Paul means in Galatians 2.20. We were crucified with him. Or as Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, Our old man, all we were in Adam, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be rendered inactive. No, when a person accepts Jesus Christ, and I don't care who they are, I just don't care who they are. I don't care what their background is. I don't care what they've done. If they will mean business and accept Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, God doesn't patch you up. He brings you, gives you an entirely new life and puts you in his family and you become partakers of divine nature. Now, someone wrote me the other day and apparently I had mentioned this because they said, do you mean that we take part in deity? Oh, no. Oh, no, we don't become God. That's what Satan aspired unto when he said, I'll be like the Most High. That's what Adam and Eve aspired to when Satan said to him, if you eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree, you will be like God, knowing good and evil, like the person of God. No. I know that today there are men, religious men, who talk about man being his own God, that you make your own God. Boy, what kind of a God do you have? No, when a person comes with his sin and all his failures and bows in humility before the Lord Jesus Christ and receives him as their own personal Savior, they not only are forgiven every sin, but my friend, they become partakers of a new nature. They become members of a new race of people. You remember in chapter 1 of John, verse 10, he was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. The world rejected its creator. In verse 11, the Jews to whom he came, they rejected him as their Messiah. So you have both Jews and Gentiles rejecting the Savior. Now what's God going to do? He's going to bring in a new race of people and he takes sinners like you and me. If we will receive him as our Savior, come into relationship with him by simple faith, we become partakers of a new nature. And Peter calls it partakers of the divine nature. Jesus said, if you take the words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life, we become the recipients of eternal life. His life becomes our life. I say this reverently, my friend. Too many Christians, and I'm sorry to say this, too many Christians do not know what they have in Christ. You ask them, are you born again? Oh, yes. What do you mean by that? I'm saved. But what do you mean by that? Now, when I talk about being born of the Spirit, a member of the family of God, I mean that I've been brought 
into an entirely new race of people, into a new family, of which Jesus Christ in resurrection is the head. And he made us partakers of the divine nature. That's why Paul, and I repeat this, Paul says, throw off the old man with his deeds. All that we were in Adam, not one of it can satisfy God. Put on the new man, created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, I said a moment ago that the new nature has new capacities, and that's true. We have the impartation of a new life, but also this new nature provides the will and the desire to do the will of God. I'd like to repeat that. This new nature which we have in God provides the will and the desire to do the will of God. You remember Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We believers are his workmanship, his craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath foreordained we should walk in them. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The good works is the outward manifestation of a new nature. It would be a wonderful thing if every one of you listening to my voice today, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, if you would live among your friends and your neighbors and your family as one who was a child of God with an entirely new nature. Now, don't jump and judge upon the unsaved. Remember, they're not Christians. They don't belong to the Lord. They have a new life. They know, not, they know nothing of a relationship with God. So don't judge the man of the world. What he needs is to be saved. What he needs is to be transformed. And if you have been transformed, and if I have been transformed, then we ought to reveal something by our good works that we belong to the Father that we're in his family. That's what I'm going to say. Being born of the Spirit in its relationship to God, relationship to each other, members of a new family, with God's ultimate purpose to be wrought out that we shall be conformed to the image of his Son, brings me into a new responsibility. It not only gives me new capacities and new aspirations, and gives me a, a new will and a new desire to do the will of God. But it puts me into a place of having a new responsibility. We now have a new nature and a new motive for holy living. We're born of God. And as his children, we should follow him. You remember Ephesians chapter 5, the first two verses. We ought to read there that we ought to walk in love even as God loves us. Or, as one of the versions says, we ought to be imitators of God and walk in love. Even as Christ loved the church, you remember, and he gave himself for the church. He made himself a real sacrifice for you and for me. This is how his love is manifested. And if I came to be a member of God's family, then I ought to walk the way I should walk 
as a member of the family of God. And how is that? Well, let me read it again. Let me quote it to you again. Be followers, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. If you are a child of God, we ought to walk in love as Christ also loved us. Now, how did he manifest his love for us? And he hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He loved you and me enough to die for us. Why? Just because he loved us. And having brought us into this new relationship, we're ever upon his heart, ever the object of his love and devotion. Now, I should be that way toward my friends, toward other Christians. And just as the Lord sacrificed as the manifestation of his love for us, then, of course, we should manifest our love for each other by sacrifice. I say again, this new life brings with it a new capacity to follow him. And it brings with us a new capacity to love our brethren. It's not the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit that should hold our attention. And as we follow him, we will walk in love, even as the Lord loved the church and gave himself for the church. Now, having said that, I would like you to say a word. I'm sure that there are those listening in today, or even young believers who haven't been taught very much, you see, Mr. Mitchell, I'd like to be in the family of God. I'd like to have this new life. I would like to have a real, definite relationship with God himself. You see, friend, it is possible for one to be very, very religious and know all doctrine, and I say this kindly, uh, and yet not know the Lord. It's just like going to a person and saying, Sir, what do you believe? Well, the fellow said, I believe what my church believes. Well, what does your church believe? Well, if you want to know what my church believes, you go and hear my pastor. And yet this fellow doesn't have the least foggy idea of how to express or how to say or to communicate the fact of the gospel of Christ. As simple as possible, may I say, friend, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were born in sin. We were unrighteous, children of wrath like the rest. We were afar off without hope, without God, without Christ in this world. No hope at all. And God in his wonderful grace sent his son, Jesus Christ, who came and went to the cross of Calvary and died, taking your place and my place. The soul that sinneth that shall die. The wages of sin is death. And we were the sinners and we should have died. The very righteous character of God demands that. Remember, though God is love, he's also righteous. And he can't save men at the expense of his righteousness. So he sent his son. And he came from heaven to this earth and he lived a spotless, sinless life. And he died for your sin, 
for my sin. And then he was raised from the dead by God the Father to give you and me assurance that this Jesus who was crucified is none other than his Son, and that this work on the cross absolutely perfectly satisfied the divine character of God. And the same living, glorious Son of God is saying to any sinner, I don't care who you are or what you are, you're saying, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. There are thousands of people in the Pacific Northwest I've tried every place and everything to get rest, rest of conscience, rest of heart. They don't know which way to turn. I think of the thousands of precious young people. They're confused. They don't know which way to turn. They want peace of heart and peace of mind and peace of conscience. My friend, there's only one place you can go that I know of. You can't educate one into peace. No, friend, you can't work your way into peace. But I'll tell you what, Jesus said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He could say, my peace I give unto you. But you've got to come to him. You've got to come to him at the moment you come with all your sin and failure and just accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, my friend. That very moment you're born of God. That very moment you're cleansed from every sin. That very moment you become the joyful recipient of eternal life, a new life that's created in righteousness and true holiness, a new life over which death doesn't even cast a shadow. And he is saying to you, come unto me, I'll give you rest. He says, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He wants you, friend. He wants you. I'm not asking for your money. I'm not asking for your works. I'm not asking for anything, nor is God, except God says, what will you do with my son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins and was buried and was raised again from the dead by the glory of the Father? What will you do with him? The important thing is your relationship to Jesus Christ. Not what church you belong to or how many ceremonies you've gone through or how good you think you are. There must be relationship with Jesus Christ. Friend, I appeal to you today, if you've never, never, never have known this relationship with the eternal God through Jesus Christ, you do it today. And then you write me a line. If I can help you, I'd be glad to help you as far as I can. I want you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to fall in love with him. I want you to know a peace that passeth all understanding. I want you to revel in a relationship with the eternal God himself. I want you to enjoy God and have that wonderful hope of one of these days seeing him face to face and being just like Jesus. This is your hope. Isn't it wonderful? Why don't you accept the Savior? And Christian friend, why don't you pass it on to somebody else? Tell somebody else about the Savior that they too may pass from death to life. And the Lord bless you today for his name's sake.
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.